who have actually recently demonstrated the regeneration of dental pulp. Now, typically when you go to the dentist and you get a root canal, they rip out the infected inflamed pulp and they put in rubber rods. They put in gutta percha, a dead material. And essentially you're left with a dead tooth that's prone to reinfection and eventually gum resorption and falling out, or gingivitis gum infection. What we wanna do and what was shown is that our injectable hydrogel, no cells, just the material, just this protein that we make in the lab, our injectable hydrogel regenerates not just blood vessels, but regenerates soft tissue within a month in dogs. And we've demonstrated this in adult beagles. Now, I just mentioned adult beagles specifically because if you look at the literature, it's replete with studies in smaller animal models, in young animals where you see good regeneration. We're very excited that we've actually demonstrated for the first time regeneration with just the material, no stem cells, nothing like that, just the material, vital pulp, vital soft tissue in the tooth. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast. My name is Dr. Ross Carter, and today I have a special guest. His name is Vivek Kumar. He is the Assistant Professor of Biomedical Engineering at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Vivek, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm here along with my postdoc, Dr. Biplop Sarkar, and together our team here at NJIT has built a platform that helps with tissue regeneration. A little bit about my background. My training is in biomedical engineering. My PhD is in biomedical engineering. My postdoc and some of the more recent work that I've done has been in chemistry, oddly enough, and uniquely combining both biomedical engineering and chemistry, we've put together a platform that may help with tissue regeneration. Now, this story originates all the way from Georgia Tech. I did some work at Harvard Medical School. I was at Rice University. And finally, it led me to a tremendous opportunity at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, where, as I mentioned, together with my team, we work on developing a number of different materials, proteins primarily, to help regenerate tissue. So basically, my research lab here at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, NJIT, we work on self-assembling proteins, on these short proteins that come together to form hydrogels. And what's interesting is that these hydrogels, which are very reminiscent to Purell, right, yeah. hand sanitizer, these hydrogels can be syringe aspirated, pulled up into a syringe, and delivered anywhere you want. 
And what's interesting is that after you inject these materials, they self-assemble, they come together as a bolus, as a gel where you inject it. So what's okay. unique is that we create this localized injectable hydrogel depot. What we've done in my research lab is functionalize this hydrogel, this protein, to do a variety of different activities, including blood vessel regeneration, so angiogenesis, neuronal regeneration, neurogenesis, as well as lowering cholesterol, a number of different things. Inhibiting angiogenesis for treatment of wet AMD, diabetic retinopathy, things like that, a number of applications. The application that we've had the most success with, and by most success I mean the highest animal model we've worked with is in dogs so far, we've actually recently demonstrated the regeneration of dental pulp. Now, typically when you go to the dentist and you get a root canal, they rip out the infected inflamed pulp and they put in rubber rods. They put in gutta percha, a dead material. And essentially you're left with a dead tooth that's prone to reinfection and eventually gum resorption and falling out. Our gingivitis gum infection. What we want to do and what we've shown is that our injectable hydrogel, no cells, just the material, just this protein that we make in the lab, our injectable hydrogel regenerates not just blood vessels, but regenerates soft tissue within a month in dogs. And we've demonstrated this in adult beagles. Now, I just mentioned adult beagles specifically because if you look at the literature, it's replete with studies in smaller animal models, in young animals where you see good regeneration. We're very excited that we've actually demonstrated for the first time regeneration with just the material, no stem cells, nothing like that, just the material, vital pulp, vital soft tissue in the tooth. So that's a summary of what we've got going on so far. I'd love to answer any questions or elaborate on any specific parts of interest. Great. So how does it work? If you're not injecting, what is it you're using that's causing the stimulation? You said it's a type of protein. Is that correct? Right, right, right. So I guess maybe I could speak very briefly about some of the details on the technology. Not that it's complicated. It's actually very simple. Now, this protein, uh -huh. it's a short protein, so it's a peptide. Short protein is a peptide, a peptide right? Yep. So it's a short peptide, and it consists of two domains, a self-assembling domain, so a domain that assembles on its own, like collagen or elastin or other biomolecules. The molecule that self-assembles, comes together on its own, as well as a bioactive domain. And what my research lab here at NJIT, what we do is we put on a variety of different bioactive domains onto this platform. One of the bioactive domains that we've put on recently helps with the regeneration of not just blood vessels, but also soft tissue. And that's something that we've shown in mice, in rats, and most recently in dogs. Wow. Okay. Right. So one of the things that's really interesting about this technology is that most of the time when you think about injecting materials or injecting constructs to regenerate tissue, most of the time you're injecting some cells as well. You think to yourself, well, the body has very limited regenerative potential, so let me go ahead and put in some stem cells, some progenitive cells, be they embryonic, pluripotent, multipotent, what have you, because you're trying to stimulate a specific response. What's unique about our technology is that we stimulate the immune environment just by the material itself. And by stimulating the immune environment, what we believe is happening is that we're recruiting the required cells. We're recruiting the progenitor cells, the stem cells, from the body itself to regenerate tissue. Additionally, what's very important to realize is that we've shown efficacy of our protein-based materials in aged groups, right? So not just young animals, because everyone publishes, you know how it is, everyone publishes sure. that six-week-old, eight-week-old mouse study, all these great results which never translate to humans. We focus right. both on adult mice, adult rats, as well as adult dogs, two-year-old dogs, and showed regeneration of tissue 
with just our material, so no cells, exogenous material. Now, one thing I do want to mention is that this is a peptide. It is a short protein, and basically, it's formulated in buffer, so kind of like saline or phosphate buffered saline. There is no organic solvents or anything like that, no DMSO or anything like that, so it's a relatively innocuous formulation as well. So there's nothing that's toxic that could cause any other health issues or health problems, right? Like, right? Right. So there's nothing toxic. And what's interesting, now we haven't done formal toxicity studies, you know, the kind of GLP, good laboratory practice, multi run by a CRO, contract research organization or what have you. But we've put in human scale doses in mice and seen absolutely no adverse effects. We've put in 16 mils into the back of a dog to demonstrate biocompatibility and shown absolutely no adverse effects. In the dog tooth, we put in 15 microliters. So a thousand times less volume. And within a month, we saw rapid regeneration of soft tissue as well as blood vessels. So we know that at small doses, the material is extremely effective. And at large doses, the material is safe. And the reason for that, at least the reason we believe for that, is that when we inject this material, it stays as a localized depot. It doesn't just circulate all over the body, causing ectopic side effects. These are synthetic growth factors, causing ectopic side effects or what have you. It's highly localized and promotes a highly localized region-specific response. How is this going to be able to be used in general practice right now? So there are a couple of different things that we envision. So specific to the platform that I mentioned just now with dental pulp regeneration, what we hope to do, unlike stem cells, what we hope to do is to have a material that's on the shelf in formulation that the dentist can just pick up and inject. No multiple procedures, no harvesting, no purification of cells, which is the current standard of care. There is nothing else on the market right now other than rubber rods that leave you with a dead tooth. The field of regenerative endodontics, the field of regenerating dental pulp, has seen very little success with any sort of materials outside of stem cells. So what we hope to do now is to finish preparing and publish the efficacy study and then either try to apply for NIH funding or private funding to do the toxicity studies and eventually take this into the clinic and hopefully into dentist's hands in the next three to four years. Fascinating. Okay, so walk me through a scenario where this would apply. You're sitting at home, you're an adult, okay? If you're a child, we can <laughs> rip out the tooth or we can cause a little blood clot and it'll regenerate. You're an adult, 35-year-old, 4-year-old adult, and you have an intense pain in your tooth. You go to the dentist, you get an x-ray done, and your dentist tells you, you need a root canal. And you think yes. to yourself, the root canal, first of all, is extremely painful. And yep. there's a good chance because my dad had a root canal, my mom had a root canal, and I know that they're going to have to come back at least three or four times for the same tooth. Anyway, you go into the dentist, they cut the top of your tooth off, they cut the enamel off, and they rip out the soft tissue, the dental pulp, the soft tissue inside the tooth in the root canal. They take out uh -huh. the infected soft tissue, and then they put in short little rubber rods. These rubber rods are probably the diameter of a couple of hairs right? It's called gutta percha. They put in these latex rods into the tooth, and then they put a cement on top, literally Portland cement, right? It's called mineral yeah. dioxide aggregate, MTA. And then they put a crown on top to make it look pretty. Now, what you are left with is a tooth that is no longer living. Clearly, you have rubber rods where there used to be soft tissue, where there used to be blood vessels, where there used to be nerves for innervation. So now, when that same tooth gets infected tomorrow, or a week later, or a month later, you're not going to feel it. You have no proprioception. In addition to that, the extent of inflammation and the development of bacterial colonies in that dead, non-responsive tooth 
can ultimately lead to gum infection below the tooth. What can happen? Worst case scenario is that you have gum infection. You can have that infection spread into the bloodstream. More commonly than not, what you feel is pain and you go back to the dentist a couple of weeks or a couple of months later or maybe a year or two later and you have to have a revision procedure. They go back to the same tooth, they remove the gutta percha, they either put in new gutta percha, they disinfect the tooth socket. Worst comes to worst, they have to extract the tooth and put in a artificial you know, implant. What we say is where we come in and where the field of regenerative endodontics, this field is maybe 20 years old at best, and has had no success outside of creating small blood clots. What we say is, can we inject our hydrogel into the tooth, into the canal space, and allow the body to regenerate on its own into this material, new tissue? And what we have shown consistently in, in a variety of dogs that we've attempted, as well as a number of mice and rat studies, is that we can do this successfully and repeatedly. That's fascinating. Actually, I saw a special that talked about the dangers with the traditional root canal situation with the infections that are left behind and all the other material that causes issues in the future. I imagine you've seen that special or something. So, so, so uh, I've watched a couple of documentaries relating to this. Now, there's a lot of work out there, right? And, and you know, I come from a world of peer-reviewed, you know, everything has to pass through the muster of nature or science or something, you know? But end of the day, there is a definite correlation between dental health and cardiovascular health. Dental health yep. and neuro, neural health. Dental health and personality. I mean, I tell you this, the, there is so much money in, the, in not just the gut biome, but the oral biome, the overall understanding of how the oral cavity impacts the rest of our body. Taking a step back, you've had a toothache before. I've had a toothache before. It is the worst, most debilitating, in my opinion, feeling out there. And our hope is that if we can regenerate soft tissue, if we can regenerate dental pulp, that we can allow the patient to have a responsive tooth in the future and not just a dead implant waiting to get infected. I love it. So when you inject this peptide into the tooth, yes. is there a covering that's going to be put on the tooth after that's done? Is that how that happens? Right. So basically, our hydrogel, Purell yes. looking like hydrogel, consistency kind of like Purell, our hydrogel is very easy to syringe aspirate and inject. It flows just like Purell, right? You inject it okay. into the pulp cavity and it self-assembles almost instantaneously. It forms a gel as you inject it, right? So it self-assembles, it stays in the pulp cavity and our gel, it, it, it's structure and at the nano level. So we can do a variety of experiments to look at the nanofiber structure, to look at the nanostructure. It forms fibers which are reminiscent of the extracellular matrix. So the extracellular matrix is made of collagen, elastin, a variety of different proteins, and they come together in a nanofibrous form. What we see is that our materials re-self-assemble into a very similar nanofibrous form, which is why we think we have such good cellular infiltration, matrix deposition. But that doesn't answer your question. Your question was, do you put anything on top? Yes, we do. Just like in normal tissue, we put our hydrogel in there and we put a cement filler on top called mineral trioxide aggregate, MTA, just to make sure that the oral cavity food bacteria is not exposed to the inside. That's typically what's done anyway in dentistry, but the difference is we're not putting in rubber rods, we're putting in a hydrogel that regenerates tissue. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allografts, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. 
Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. And it also, at the same time, resolves the inflammatory condition that's causing the problem to begin with. Is that correct? So typically, the way a dentist does this is that after they extirpate or remove the pulp, they typically add an antibiotic or look for infection in the tooth. And only when they're satisfied that there is no more infection do they put in a filler material. You never want to have residual infection or even have the chance of residual infection, because the minute that gets into the bone, there is a chance of systemic infection, and that's just bad news altogether. So typically, when these procedures are done, your clinician makes sure that the dental socket is well disinfected, and then they go in and put in filler material. And how long does it take before the material actually creates the new or causes creation of the material? Right. Of the new, uh, yeah. So the easiest answer to that is I don't know for sure. But what we do know is that after one month, the material is pretty much gone and is replaced by blood vessels and native tissue, native collagen, native elastin, native tissue in one month. What we do know in, in dogs, and now it's difficult to chronicle that at earlier time points because you'd have to sacrifice the animal at one week or something like that, and it's hard to justify doing that, which is why we did a one-month time point for dogs. That's a rapid infiltration of cells and blood vessels. Within seven days, we form mature blood vessels and deposition of collagen and elastin. So to answer your question, we've chronicled the regeneration in a multitude of, in, in a couple of different animal models, and we see that tissue regeneration occurs as early as three days, and we see that a significant amount of extracellular matrix production, as well as tissue formation is seen as early as seven days and all the way up to a month or longer. That's fascinating. So why is it only something that you've been able to do with animals and not with humans? Right. Now, there are a lot of different technologies and therapeutics and techniques out there which people will sell and which people will try to get into the market as a supplement or obviate or get around the FDA. One of the things that we're very excited about is that this platform has tremendous therapeutic potential. So we want to make sure that we go through the FDA clinical route and what have you. This will be a drug because it's made through peptide synthesis and it activates a specific cellular receptor, right? So by that definition, right. it'll be regulated through CEDAR, through drug, the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, through the FDA. Anyway, before we do human trials, we need to find the right indication, right? What are we going to treat? Because you do a trial for a specific indication. So right now, we're thinking both dental pulp and maybe peripheral artery disease, so poor circulation in the legs, right? Regenerate blood vessels in the legs. Both of them are billion-dollar markets. The advantage of dental pulp regeneration is that in your phase two clinical trial, worst-case scenario, you lose a tooth. In peripheral artery disease, your worst-case scenario in a phase two clinical trial is you lose a limb. So you're always trying That's to think That's more significant. Of, uh, <laughs> right. Well, you always try, and also clinical trial costs, right? I'm trying right. to think about what is the what is the low-hanging fruit that can help me take this therapeutic into a phase two clinical trial or to market, and can I come back and start looking at other indications where this may be beneficial? I don't want to sink this in the water by trying to achieve myocardial regeneration after a heart attack. We have tremendous potential for that. But your clinical endpoints there is MRI, CT scan, and death, right, mortality. So we want to look for a low-hanging fruit in that sense for a clinical trial such that we can hopefully get this into the market for an indication by 2023, 2024, 
with FDA approval. And once we start seeing efficacy, maybe for dental pulp regeneration, we can always come back and look at other tissues where we want to regenerate tissue. So you said something that got my interest when you said that it could regrow, you know, revascularization. And you said, mm-hmm. mentioned the heart. So this could potentially be something that could be applied after a heart attack to help regenerate the blood vessels that have been damaged. Is that kind of what you were mentioning? So we have ongoing studies right now in collaboration with the Rutgers Medical School, with the New Jersey Medical School at Rutgers, where we have actually injected variations of this material directly into mice hearts after we induce a myocardial infarction. We tie off the left anterior descending, uh, cause an infarct in the uh, what's this, left ventricle, induct our materials, and we see regeneration of blood vessels as well as localization of our material on the infarct site itself. Now, we've done that in mice. What we've also shown in mice is that we can tie off the... Now, we haven't published that MI study, so, you know, that's why I... What we have published is a where we ligated the femoral artery, so one of the major vessels to the limb in mice. We tied off the femoral, and then we injected our material both in the quadriceps and gastrocnemius into the calf. And within seven days, we saw rapid restoration of perfusion past the ligature site. So wherever we tied off, we saw new blood vessels grow over that and into the foot pad. So long story short, we've shown regeneration of blood vessels in a mouse hind limb ischemia model, critical limb ischemia model, as well as regeneration of blood vessels in a, in an MI model, myocardial infarction model. Now, just to preface your potential next question, why haven't we attempted MI or why haven't we gone into clinical trials for PAD or what have you? Yeah. It's all about funding. It's all about time and hands. You know, Biplov's here. He's He's got a million different projects that he's working on to build this platform and we're always writing grants and what have you. But part of what I'm doing right now is realizing that the NIH way of doing things is great. It's great for basic science, but it's not great for translation. It is difficult to take an exciting technology, which has tremendous potential, and put into the market in two or three years. The NIH does not function in those kind of deadlines. <laughs> They're federal, if you know what I mean. What we are excited about is reaching out to folks just like yourself who have very big networks and seeing whether we can put together the right team, whether we can put together consultants, advisors, as well as people who may be interested in funding some of these technologies. One of the things that I'm very interested in is in translation of technologies. We have a couple of startups that my postdoc Biplop is involved in as well, where we try to translate technologies from the university lab into therapeutics and license the technology into our startup and then, you know, try to fundraise through angels and VCs. So I guess long story short, part of what we're doing now is trying to get the word out so that we can build interest to do that fundraising round if we choose to go that avenue. And what is the name of this process that you're doing? Does it have like a specific name? Yeah. So basically, depending on the specific project, in general, we're looking at angiogenesis and tissue regeneration. Okay. Specific to the dental project, it's regenerative endodontics, right? Endo being inside the tooth, right? Endodontics. So regenerative endodontics. No one, no one, and this is me looking at the literature today, yesterday, the day before. No one has developed a material, not stem cells, just a plain material that you can inject into the tooth and regenerate vital pulp, living, perfused pulp within a month in dogs. People have shown stuff in rats. Rats' teeth grow all day. They've evolved to grow teeth until they die, right? But in adult dogs, tissue regeneration has just not been seen with a material-based approach. There's a couple of folks out of UT San Antonio that are looking at stem cell techniques with a fibrin scaffold or what have you. But in terms of an off-the-shelf material, a hydrogel, they can inject into the tooth to promote angiogenesis and tissue regeneration. That doesn't exist. 
That's pretty amazing. I mean, the potentials for what you can use this for is gigantic. I think that's amazing. Right. So one of the interesting things is it's always nice to have validation from outside sources. And sometimes it's sometimes easier to sell a technology just by words or what have you. But we've actually published a lot of this data. So if you check out our lab website, uh, my last name, kumarlab.njit.edu, you'll see a number of publications that we've done on this technology. In addition to that, we've actually uh, been relatively successful getting some private as well as federal funding. And we've actually published, what is this? We're on our sixth patent on this technology. And I think I've been here three years now at NGIT. So it's a tremendous platform and we've made a lot of strides. So we're very excited about it and we're very excited to get the word out as well. So one of the things you're looking for is people to invest in the, I guess, the data analysis, the publishing of all that as well as potential testing? Right. I don't know the phases of how the testing works. Right. So basically, I mean, the benefit of being in academia is that I have a lot of infrastructure for publishing and getting the word out in that sense, right? Or at least academically. But what we really need money for is not so much research in my research lab. It's more for translation of this technology. And any good scientist, if I can be honest, is going to know that the development of a therapeutic after efficacy, once you show that it works for the indication, that you can do in your research lab. But really, all your talk studies, your absorption, distribution, metabolism, excretion studies, your manufacturing studies, all of those need to be done by contract research organizations or contract manufacturing organizations. So what we've done is that we've understood the remaining preclinical steps, right? So we've shown efficacy. We have a couple more preclinical steps that's going to cost about $2 million that we're trying to raise funds for, that we're going to contract out, and then we plan to go into phase one clinical trials for dental pulp regeneration. Now, phase one clinical trials is going to cost anywhere between three and five million, and phase two we expect to cost anywhere between five and ten million dollars. At this initial stage, all we're looking to do is to de-risk our technology and get it to humans. So we're trying to do the two million dollar raise to wrap up preclinical studies so that we're ready to do clinical human studies. So do you have a prediction of when do you think this would be something that could be actually utilized by the public? Right. So quite honestly, if we were able to get the money to do the talk studies, and as I mentioned earlier, I've done the poor man's version of this, the scientific version of this. I've shown that human scale doses in mice and rats are completely safe, except the FDA requires GLP, good laboratory practice, and no research lab does that. It's all contract organizations that have those kind of GMP kind of stuff, right? So basically, we need to do the formal versions of these studies. Now, what we hope is that if we were able to line up the funding, we'll be able to get this technology in patients' mouths, hopefully in 18 months. Hopefully, we can get this in the dentist's hands, right, clinical trials done into by yeah. 2023. So we're looking at anywhere between a year and a half before we start clinical trials and about four years before we're on the market with this technology. Now, very quickly, I do want to mention, I don't know if you're familiar with Henry Schein. They're the largest supplier of medical products, endodontic products, got to purchase your supplies and what have you at a hospital. So Henry okay. Schein, their head of endodontic products, had a conversation with us. They came down. They heard about our work on a press conference that I gave last August about this at a scientific meeting. They were so excited about this. They came down to our offices here at NJIT. They wanted to learn all about the technology. And what they told us, and I don't think we can repeat this you know, in a published setting, but basically they told us, this is so exciting. We'd be more than willing to come on board as soon as you're in human trials. You know what I mean? So they're very excited about this technology. We're very excited about this technology. It's just a question of finding the right group, the right partners to help accelerate this. Well, I think you came to the right place. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So I love it. I mean, 
this is really exciting. I've never heard about this technology, obviously, because you're the only ones doing it. So it's really exciting. So thank right. you for so, sharing sure. that. I guess maybe a, maybe a little bit about the team briefly. So uh, the, the, the guy who invented this technology and I worked together at Rice University in Houston, Texas, uh, a couple of years ago. We're both co-founders, a startup that's based on this technology. And both of us are academicians. We love our jobs in academia, but we definitely see the tremendous potential for this material that is highly understudied. And hopefully through connections like yourself and people that you may know, you know, move this towards the clinic as quickly as possible. I think that's brilliant, man. I'm just, I'm very excited for you. Is it, do I go, do you go by Dr. Kumar or how do we just say your, uh, your name? Vivek is fine. Vivek, Vivek, Vivek. is fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Vivek Kumar. All right. Well, excellent. Okay. So somebody's just listened to this episode and they're excited and they want to go further and connect with you. What would be the next step? So basically what we could do is probably set up a call just like we're doing right now, depending on the type of person, right? For example, when I gave that press conference at the American Chemical Society meeting last year, we got a number of people who called. It was also posted on YouTube. There were a number of people who had root canals who called me and said, hey, can I use this technology? I'm suffering from pain every single day. I've gone for so many procedures again and again and again. When can I use this technology? And unfortunately, I have to give them the news of, look, we're in the scientific stages, we're still in the research stages, we gotta get this through human trials. On the flip side, I've spoken to a number of dentists who have said, this is a great technology, sign me up. You know, How can I become a part of this? So I think ultimately, to answer your question, if someone is interested, they can feel free to reach out to me either on my number, this is my number, the 678 number, or at VAK, Vivek Ashok Kumar, my initials VAK, at njit.edu. So that's my academic email address. And I can put that in a little email or text and send it to you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes. And also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.